0: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters.
1: Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, where our mission is developing children, families, and future leaders of our community through empowerment, education, and wellness. I am delighted to have with me on, our, on today's episode how to be 100% successful in conversations about serious performance issues. And that, and I said I'm delighted to have uh, with me, but I kind of went into the topic step back and say, I'm delighted to have Jordan Goldrich with me today, the Partner and Chief Operations Officer with Custom Matrix. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: It's a pleasure to be here with you, Cheryl. I'm uh, really pleased to be able to talk about this uh, area.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for bringing this area to my attention as uh, something that you would be interested in sharing with our listening audience about. So I'm um, really anxious to hear what you have to say about it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Before we kind of dive right into um, this topic, I'd love to hear you just share a little about yourself so that our listening audience can gain a bit of a perspective about who you are and just the perspective Um, you bring.
2: I was born and raised in a city housing project in New York City that was originally built for returning World War II veterans. My dad dad hit Normandy on day two uh, of that invasion. And uh, it was built for returning war veterans, so it was mostly working-class folks. I, sometimes when I say uh, housing project, people think Fort Apache, the Bronx, but it definitely was not that. By the way, um, it used to be that one of my major claims to fame is that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar grew up in my building.
1: Oh, that's totally cool.
2: Yeah, it was very cool, and we all got real excited when he got uh, when he went to UCLA and, and then certainly on to the Lakers. Anyway, um, I grew up among mostly working-class folks who highly valued integrity and accountability and fairness. And in many ways, that underlying teaching is what what created my interest in looking at high-performance cultures or work groups in organizations and certainly led to my interest in conversations about both performance coaching and the disciplinary uh, conversation itself.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to um, ask you to say a little bit about that. Um, so, how? How did that lead to that interest? Say a little bit more because there's something there.
2: Yeah, well, as I said, I always for me a big value was uh, integrity or honesty and accountability and then also fairness. And as my career developed, I uh, was in a variety of organizations where I was a manager or I was an executive coach or I was a counselor for uh, uh managers, supervisors, and executives. And one of the things that I noticed along the way is that regardless of whether they were in Fortune 500 companies or they were in government or nonprofit or in smaller family-owned businesses, one of the most difficult things that managers and supervisors and executives have to do is to let somebody know that their performance is not up to par. And that starts early in the process where somebody comes on board and they need some coaching. And certainly telling people bad news is not in most people's uh, most favorable thing to do. And the less that you do that, uh, the less that you are straightforward up front, the more likely it is, is that somebody will get down towards what ends up being the disciplinary process and have never been told honestly what it is that's going on. And there are other pieces to it, too, but let me stop there.
1: Okay. So, George, let me ask you, is your phone on speaker mode, or do you have the headset up?
2: I am on speaker phone.
1: Yeah, we probably need to have you come off the speaker phone, because I hear a little um, feedback in the back.
2: Okay, let me do that.
1: Great. Thank you. Okay. Awesome. That's much clearer. Thank you so much. So, in... um, in that little bit, I um, I can say, yeah, I absolutely can't see how, um, and have have seen a lot of situations where um, there have been performance challenges going on, and it doesn't get communicated, and maybe there become there actions that are taken, or um, actions that are not taken, that lead to a sense of. Um, Things not being fair, so I was kind of tying together as as um, you said in your introduction, integrity, accountability, and fairness, and how those how those three connected for you. And so, I um, I appreciate your sharing a little bit more about that.
2: Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, so um, the the analogy that I like to use is if you and I are having a conversation, and you notice that. I am absent-mindedly stepping backwards, and you're not sure that I realize it, and you notice that behind me is a cliff, and if I keep stepping backwards in the way that I am, that I am going to fall off that cliff, isn't it the most humane and respectful thing that you can do is to say to me, Jordan, if, if you keep walking backwards in the way you're walking, you're going to fall off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And isn't it also, wouldn't I want you to do that before I'm on the edge of the cliff flailing my arms and in danger of falling off?
1: Absolutely. Good analogy. So let me ask you this, um, Jordan. When someone is headed down the road and they are not course-corrected and they end up driving off a cliff or falling off a cliff, Or, when that feedback hasn't happened, and I think from what you've told us, one of the costs might be that um, things are perceived to not be fair. What are some of the other costs that might be associated with a person not having performance management conversations?
2: Sure. Well, certainly, when somebody perceives things as not fair, they're more likely to file a grievance, they're more likely to sue their employer, and there are great costs associated with that both in terms of the expense it takes to deal with it but also in terms of morale. Um, Some other costs are that other people in the group notice that there's somebody who is not performing well and it's not being dealt with. And particularly high performers uh, enjoy and want to be part of high-performing teams. And when they notice that their manager is not addressing issues that clearly need to be addressed, uh, they lose respect for the manager, and they also lose some of their own motivation. So those are two really big ones.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the lack of taking action, the lack of having the conversation can um, lead to once, a- once action is taken, it's viewed as being unfair. And yes. more likely to have that grievance be filed, more likely to have things end up in a litigated situation. I'm hearing that there's a blow potentially to morale as well as a loss of respect for the um, supervisor, who our management team that's done nothing, as well as potentially uh, with that morale dropping. A um, Part of that is a lack of motivation that can then lead to lack of or reduced productivity.
2: Oh, absolutely! Okay, absolutely, well, I think those
1: are. I think those are really good reasons for us to have these difficult conversations. So, um, and even though there are good reasons for people to have these difficult conversations, we know that people often avoid having them. You know, why do you think? What are some of the reasons you found why managers avoid having these conversations?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I grew up in a very loud New York family. And I remember coming upstairs one day, I, uh, we, we lived on the ninth floor of a 14 story building and I was about, I don't know, 11 years old down in the playground with my friend Mitchell. And we came upstairs and got off the elevator and started walking down the hall to my apartment and Mitchell said, I don't think we should go in. And I, I listened and I could clearly hear my parents in loud voices talking all the way down the hall. So, said, nah, they're talking to each other. So I grew up in a culture, both family and New York, that was very direct and comfortable. Many people grow up in families where it is not so comfortable to have a direct and particularly negative, deliver negative feedback. Um, Also, managers are concerned that they don't want to bring out the big cans before they've done everything they possibly can uh, in order to coach, and they don't want to mention this is going in a bad way. They just want to say it would be better if you did this, it would be better if you did that. But they don't deliver the final message, or the, the not the final message, but the destination message. And really, they, the idea is that they're being fair, they're trying not to discourage people, and it has, ironically, the opposite result, is that people don't get the critical information that they really need to know what it is that they have to do.
1: Hmm. Very good, very good. Um, lots that could potentially be unpacked there. Um, the final destination. Hmm.
2: Well, the final destination may not have been the right exact term. Uh, that
1: a little I'm really talking
2: price. about if this keeps going, you're going to fall off the cliff.
1: Mm-hmm. And is that, is that what's the manager trap, or what is that about?
2: Yes. Um, the manager's trap actually comes from a model that I learned years and years ago with a theory that's hardly ever talked about anymore, which is transactional analysis. And it's called the drama triangle. And what happens is most managers, when they see somebody doing something, that really would require some negative feedback. You know, don't do that anymore. I want you to do it this way. Tend to, and and especially if they see it as a behavior that down the road could damage the person's career or perhaps even lead to termination, their tendency is not to, is to what we call rescue. And that would be protecting the person from the consequences of their behavior. And so they tend to say, you know, this would be better, et cetera, et cetera, but they don't mention that there's a consequence down the road to not doing this because they think, I don't want to bring out the big guns. And so if you rescue people, for instance, water safety instructors rescue drowning people. The first rule is that um, if you're going to rescue a drowning person, don't get drowned yourself. And so first they throw in a a tube if they absolutely have to jump in to rescue a drowning person, they do it in such a way that uh, they don't get pulled under. And so when managers rescue employees, and, and again, it's not that rescuing is the wrong thing to do. It's that rescuing inappropriately is the wrong thing to do.
1: And so, and an so when they've rescued rescuing,
2: inappropriately,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. i.e.,
2: not let them know there's a rescue going on, they end up getting pulled under, and then they feel like they're victimized. So then they got it. The so to rescuing
1: inappropriately is when you rescue and you haven't communicated that that's what you're doing. That I, right. I'm giving you a pass this time, and here's why. Okay, well, love to um, hear more about this and to have you give us some examples of. Um, you know, how the benefits that, you know, an employee can receive when things are communicated earlier, and then also how we go about having these conversations. We're going to take a break and then be right back with more on Leadership Matters, hearing more from Jordan. So stay with us. Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
3: comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858 244 8264. That's 858 244 8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at Innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness.
1: Today, our world is faced with complex challenges that present massive potential risks. Conflict, misunderstanding, misalignment of organizations and their leadership, lost productivity, wasted time, and wasted resources resulting from limiting perspectives, distraction, and hardline positions are damaging our today and our future. The monetary cost of such failures is in the billions. Stop wasting time. Make a shift Engage with host David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Good afternoon, and welcome back to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I'm delighted that we have today a guest, Jordan Goldrich, partner and chief operations officer with Custom Matrix, who's talking to us about this real important topic of how to be 100% successful in conversations about serious performance issues. And, Jordan, I know before we went to break, you were talking a little bit about the whole rescuing inappropriate, and I asked kind of like, what is it, you know, when do you know, how do you know it's inappropriate, and one of the things you were saying was that, well, it's inappropriate when you're doing it, and you're not letting them know that you're kind of rescuing them. Yes. I want to ask you if you want to say more about that, and also you mentioned something about a drama triangle, so I want to see if you want to say a little bit more about that as well.
2: Okay. Well, thank you, Cheryl. I appreciate it. So the drama triangle comes from an, uh, years back, I, I hate to admit how many, years back, theory called transactional analysis. And basically, if you imagine a triangle, at the top of the triangle, the point, there's something called, there's a rescuer up there. And as we were talking, managers tend to, when they have to address performance issues, they tend to, to rescue the employee, which is trying to be helpful but not necessarily mentioning that whatever it is that's going on could lead to difficulty for the department, for the company, for the, for the member, for the client, whoever it is. And by the way, that could also affect your career and perhaps even lead to um, performance uh, termination. And so they don't want to bring that up and they don't mention where it's going. So the employee doesn't quite get it. And it's it's, it's not that giving people a break or using your judgment is the wrong thing to do. It's that, as you said, uh, rescuing people without them knowing that there's a rescue going on is not fair to them and it's not fair to the company. So if you are a life, if you are a water safety instructor and you have uh, dived in to rescue a drowning person and you don't do it correctly, they're going to pull you under. And typically, after you've been pulled under, most managers get angry. I've stuck my neck out a mile for you. I can't believe you're still doing this stuff. And it's at that point that they've hit the lower right part of the triangle, which is called victim. And most people I know, unless they're highly evolved human beings, when they feel victimized, they tend to want to strike out. And so they move over to the, to the left bottom part of the triangle, and that's called persecutor. And a persecutor is a manager who has miraculously found the time to do documentation, hasn't done it for two years, and all of a sudden, all their documentation gets written in one day. And they bring it into human resources, and human resources says, well, no, we really can't give this to this person because there have no, been no previous warnings, and often, the manager is then angry at human resources. But the reality is that the manager was really trying to be helpful and had a, had a, was coming from a good place in their heart. And the mistake is that it's really not being so helpful by shielding the person from understanding what the long-term consequences are of their behavior.
1: Got it. Wonderful Um, metaphor and example. Appreciate that. Can't you give us some examples of really how it benefits employees when the manager, you know, does communicate earlier as opposed to later? I'm sure that there's some things that we can all think of, but just would love to kind of hear what's the incentive for the manager so that, you know, they can know that rescuing, yes, may be something that we do. And we inform that we're doing, and it's a kind thing. But it may also be a kind and very helpful thing to communicate sooner than later.
2: So I'll give you, uh, I'll tell you about the most difficult performance conversation I ever had. And it was with a um, woman who worked for me who was extremely competent, and due to some Unfortunate things in her background. She hadn't really completed school, so she was functioning at a much higher level than she was in our organization. And we and she was able to do things that um, most people who are degreed cannot. And this went on. What does that
1: mean? You gotta have to. We gotta pause there. I just hate to break your train of thought. But what does that mean? She was able to do things she was, that She was most handling very
2: sensitive not. phone calls um, with people. Who, you know, the initial contact with people who were calling in who were in crisis,
1: mm-hmm. and oh, you're yeah. just saying that even though she had not been to school, she had really good skills, yes. and um, she was able to do things that even people who have been to to yes. um, a degree program were yeah. was not able to do. Her super yes. competence is what you're talking about.
2: She was one of the most competent people in the whole.
1: Gotcha.
2: She has the know-how. Okay. Yes. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, she started coming in late, and um, it turned out. And I avoided talking to her about it for a while, except that I teach this stuff, and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore. And um, I eventually had the conversation with her, and she let me know that she um, that her um, husband uh, was was violent with her and that she had thrown him out of the house or asked him to leave and that he was stalking her on the way to work and that's why she was late. And we talked a little bit and I took sort of the rescuer position and this kept going on and kept going on. And at a certain point, I had to say to her, look, we're so small, if I could get somebody who could fill your position where it didn't matter whether you come in late, I would do that. But I can't, and if you can't take care of this, I'm going to have to let you go. And it was the only time in my whole management executive career I tolerated somebody walking out of my office and slamming the door. Um, But it got better. And then about two months later, she came in and she said to me, you know, I owe you an apology. I said, why is that? And she said, well, until you told me that this had gotten bad enough that you were going to let me go, I didn't realize how bad it was. And so after we spoke, I went to talk to an attorney. I took out a restraining order. I went and got myself some counseling. And I really need to thank you for alerting me to something that really needed to be dealt with.
1: Great. And I'm going to pause here for a second because that's a huge um Issue and I know we're talking about one issue, but in your example, you brought up uh, domestic violence, and things have evolved now to where it is the employer's responsibility to ensure that that employee um, gets the support they need. And that's a whole other episode. But yes, um, yeah, you know, so you know, we'll go back to that. But I appreciate the example, and I know exactly what you're saying. Sometimes that feedback is what's necessary to bring the issue to the person's attention to the extent that they're uh, positioned to do something about it.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it really, it really, it less goes to what's the employer's responsibility than to the mindset that many managers have when they know somebody's going through a divorce or they know somebody is, you know, kid got arrested or whatever it is. A lot of times the manager hesitates to want to load more on the employee and so they end up tolerating the behavior for long periods of time. And it's very counterintuitive, but it doesn't have to be done angry. It, it can be done with great compassion. But some conversation with the employee needs to say, you know, at some point this coming in late is going to have to stop because we can't handle it. And, and that's the point. And this is a very difficult human thing to do.
1: Right. And so I also want to... Um... I, I'm, I keep putting pauses in here, too, because um, I want to underscore your words of, you know, when this is happening for long periods of times. So, in other words, we will have people who have stuff that's happening in their lives, and there is a need for us to be um, compassionate.
2: Absolutely. And
1: to um, be responsive to those needs. And then there's also, yes, the responsibility for us to be um, good stewards and good managers and um, to balance that out in the sense of, um, you know, figuring out what are those thresholds and making sure we communicate to the employee what those thresholds are before, you know, like you said, they're walking off a cliff and they didn't even know it.
2: Yeah. So you said that exactly correctly, Cheryl, um, when, when somebody comes in who's a good employee, uh, and you know something's happened, of course the manager is going to be flexible, and you know they may need some days off or whatever it is, and, and they're not going to say. And by the way, down the road, um, this could lead to difficulty. Um, but but at the point where it's gone on for a couple of months, and the manager is beginning to worry, that would be the point to have the conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. So how can managers improve their chances of being successful in conversations about these serious performance or issues that may lead to disciplinary
2: action? Well, several things. Uh, One of them is to access their own good intentions for the employee, and in the same way that if, if you have a child who needs medicine and doesn't want to take it, you're going to ask the child to take their medicine and put up with the reaction. Uh, many times adults also uh, don't want to hear or, or know what it is that they need to do. And so to, to really trust that helping somebody not fall off the cliff and telling them early enough before they're on the edge of the cliff that that really is a very humane thing to do, even though you may get some initial angry, upset, even crying reactions.
1: Okay, so I'm going to pause again, because you said access, you know, to access their own good intentions for the employee. So So... Yes. Um, so my own good intentions would be that I don't want to see this continue to happen, and I do want to alert them before this becomes a derailer or a career staller. Um, so now I've accessed my good intentions. That's why I'm coming from a good space. Uh, then what do I do, like, action-wise to, for those good intentions? So, I'm, so I, I get to my own good intentions so that I know that I need to take action. And there's something beyond that that needs to happen um, in order for these conversations to be successful.
2: Yes. So what makes the conversation successful is whether or not, and I'm going to give it to you as sort of a formula, and then we can talk about some examples. Okay. The first thing is, did you let the employee know what is the behavior that's going on and what is the impact of that behavior on... Customers on the company, on the work team, on you, etc., and also uh, the the potential impact uh, on their career down the road. So it's this is what's going on, and this is what I need to see from you.
3: Okay.
2: And this is the consequence mm-hmm. for it not improving. This is where okay. we're heading. And.
1: So, Jordan, I'm going to put a comma here, but this time not because I want to get further explanation, uh, although I do, I want to hear more and more and more, but i got to take another commercial break. Uh, so okay. I'm going to come back and have you pick up right where you are, so please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
3: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Each week, Larry Sternberg joins Dr. Kim Turnage to explore management issues from culture to discipline in Managing to Make a Difference. Join Talent Plus for 60 minutes of dynamic conversation, including real-life management examples, helping you manage Teams across the globe. This series airs on Voice America, the business channel, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Managing to make a difference every Thursday afternoon with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. Trends in global
2: business
0: are changing. All the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street. But now that competitor may be across the world. On Global
2: Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business plus issues
0: and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday
2: at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific.
1: And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Today we are speaking with Jordan Goldrich, partner and chief operations officer with Custom Matrix, Inc., and um, talking about how to 100% of the time be successful in conversations about serious performance issues. And before we went to break, Jordan, you were sharing how managers can improve their chances of being successful in conversations about serious disciplinary issues or serious performance issues and one of the things that you unpacked a little bit for us was how important is them to, for a manager to first kind of get in touch with their own good intentions um, for the employee and um, that can help um, create a good space as they're motivating themselves to begin to have that conversation and then you are going to go on to sharing you know, some of the formula with regards to how to have these conversations I'm going to just turn it back over to you
2: Okay, thank you. And I, I do want to reinforce, again, the good intentions. Another way of talking about that is compassion, which means that you're recognizing that the employee is suffering and you have an intention to help alleviate that suffering. And um, But that doesn't mean that you are going to let them off the hook, that you still need to hold them accountable for their behavior. So it's in the same kind of tone that you tell somebody that you're really that you really care about um, what it is they need to do to get things together, and Appreciate then there's a container. fairly simple formula. Yeah. You need mm-hmm. to tell them. You need to describe to them. And if they go to human resources, they're gonna they'll have, they'll be asked for documentation. On such and such a date, you did this. On such and such a date, you did that. So you need to have your documentation in place, and you also need to have gotten previous agreement with human resources and your boss and whoever else is important uh, around what are we going to do is this a just a conversation is it a counseling is it a written warning or are we going further so you need to be in line with all of your support systems and all of your uh, colleagues within the organization and Ultimately, you need to be able to tell them those two things. This is what's going on. This is what we need for you to do. And, and these are the consequences for failure to improve. But you wouldn't say it that way. It might come out. Can I, can I role play with you, Cheryl?
1: Sure, please do.
2: So, you know, Cheryl, um, I need to have a conversation with you. Um, I wouldn't be doing my job as manager who is concerned about both good production in the organization as well as supporting you in having a successful career. So do you have a minute or two?
1: Um I actually was on my way to an appointment.
2: Mm, not really, but I mean Okay, so when when would it be okay because I really need to have this conversation. No, I just teasing you.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm available we can have this conversation.
2: Okay, well thank you. So when you walked into the meeting today late uh, my boss was there, and uh, so was our customer. And you came in and sat down without apologizing and then started talking about something that we had already discussed. The impact was that my boss rolled his eyes. Later on, the client said that they didn't want to work with you. And the impact on me was, first of all, I was embarrassed But secondly, I realize that this is the second or third time we've had this conversation, and I'm really concerned that if this continues, that it's going to significantly negatively impact your career. So, you know, am I missing something?
1: Well, um, hmm, well... I mean, I'm sure the person probably can give you all kinds of excuses at this point and reasons as to why they were late and reasons as to why it's happened in the past.
2: Exactly.
1: I'd imagine it would be part of that conversation. So if I gave you some of those, I'd say, well, you know I'm going through a divorce and things are really challenging for me right now. And you said you understood, but evidently you don't.
2: Well, I, I do understand. and That's <laughs> why I'm doing my best to be, uh, to be compassionate. I do need to let you know that I, my other part of the job is to make sure that, uh, that you are on time and that our clients are served. And I guess I'm thinking that if, if the personal issues in your life have gotten serious enough that they're interfering with work in this way that, you know, maybe you ought to use our employee assistance program or maybe you ought to use your medical benefit and get some, get some assistance because it's getting to the point where there will be some negative consequences, and I don't want to see that happen.
1: Okay, well, you know, I'm hearing you loud and clear, and I appreciate your bringing it to my attention.
2: Okay. Well, I also want you to know that I'm still available to help you And I do think you contribute a lot to the organization. And um, I really just want to reinforce that I need to have you there on time for meetings and following through with clients.
1: Okay. Well, I hear you loud and clear.
2: So what do you think, Cheryl?
1: I think I don't like you anymore. I'm kidding. (laughs) I think that that's actually, um, I think, helpful. It's clear, and at the same time, in the container of compassion. And um, I think starting that conversation with your positive intentions. I'm having this conversation because I want to make sure that uh, you are, um, you know, going to stay on a good track with regards to work and that you're aware of the impact that... um, that your behavior is having, and um, I think that's really good. I think that sometimes when we have conversations and we might talk about the behavior and we don't necessarily include our intentions, we might even talk about the behavior and the consequences of the behavior, but I think it does make a difference when you can share, um, when managers share with employees the positive intentions that they have for them you know, get on that same page. You know, I heard you tell me this is about the meeting, so you're letting me know this is a situation, so I uh, know what you're talking about, and you describe my behavior of being late and then making the conversation such to where people had to check over what they had already talked about, so I was clear on the behavior. And then you let me know the, the impact it had on the client um, and the impact it had on you, so now I can feel like... Um, uh, you, I'm not just being picked on for no reason, that there is a business impact because you shared it with me. And then you also shared the potential career impact. So even though I wouldn't like hearing that message, I would at least have an opportunity to, um, to think about what you... Brought to my attention that my behavior has now gotten to the point where it is impacting my work life, and maybe I need to use some of the benefits uh, that are available to me either through EAP or medical insurance to figure out how I can handle all this and not have it not have a new issue on my plate or an additional issue on my plate with regards to problems at work yes. so yeah, no, I, I yes. can get that
2: sometimes when Uh, a manager says, you know, I just want to let you know that you should use the employee assistance program or whatever if you believe there's a problem. You get a reaction that sounds something like, what are you saying, there's something wrong with me? And both the correct answer and I think the legal answer to that question is, no, I I tell this to everyone who is in your situation.
1: Well, what are you saying about my situation?
2: Well, your situation is that you know, as I've described, that you've been coming in late to meetings, and it's negatively impacting customers, and my boss looked at it and is concerned about how many times you're late, and I want you to be successful, so I'm letting you know that if the lateness continues, it's going to lead to further disciplinary action, and I'm just letting you know that if you think you've got a personal issue that's interfering with work, that you uh, that you use one of the resources that are available to you. I have no idea whether you need it or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, I mean, I think, uh, um, I think that's a good formula, um, you know, for delivering those messages. And, um, you know, I don't think they're ever... Uh, easy to have, yet I definitely think that they are necessary. And it is the kinder thing to do than to, as you said at the beginning of the um, conversation, let somebody just walk off the cliff and they didn't really know that the cliff was there.
2: Exactly. So,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it's the more difficult thing to do, and it, and it requires some managerial courage.
2: Yes, uh, this is that one of the most difficult things managers have to do, and I must say that when I have done it, some of the reason I did it was I couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore for avoiding it because uh, I teach it, so I better mm-hmm. do it.
1: Yeah, no, well, I um, definitely can um, appreciate the um, the reason uh, and the need for it, and also the managerial courage uh, that it takes to have these types of, of conversations. Yes. Hmm. So, Jordan, it would be interesting to to hear What got you interested into the uh, disciplinary conversation? I know you started off, and you shared a little bit about that. And and in our discussion, and as we put together the description, we kind of talked about also the um, you know uh, the persons who are a little rough with regards to how they do go about having um, conversations and they may be viewed as um, perhaps disrespectful in their delivery and may be viewed as, um, um, hmm, I'm trying to remember. Abrasive. Some of, some abrasive, I think that's the way, yeah, more abrasive in how they're delivering messages. I want to talk a little bit more um, about that piece, just a tiny bit, because I know you have a book that's going to be coming out on that topic, so I'd like to hear just a tiny bit on that if we may, and then um, and then maybe hear a little bit about your again your own interest.
2: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. So I have been working coming coming from the loud family that I came from. Uh, the feedback that I got through most of my life is I need to be more tactful and and respectful, and uh, over the years, I've had some negative consequences occur, including losing a job, uh, because of being right, but not saying it right, and I started to really look at, for myself, what do I need to do to manage what I like to now refer to as my warrior spirit, and what I mean by warrior is that... Most, many managers who are experienced as abrasive or even bullies are not intending to hurt people. They they want they are they are focused on we're going to accomplish this mission no matter what, and it's about it's about doing it right no matter what it takes. And as an aside, they tend oh, to get wow. very frustrated.
1: Um- I am so sorry, Jordan, we got to go to commercial break. Okay. I want to hear more about this, and I love that framing. I think it speaks volumes with regards to, I think we all know people who can be right, and so I love that being right, but not saying it right and just how that can kind of get us in trouble. Love uh, to hear more about this warrior spirit. I think some some of us deal with it ourselves and others of us are dealing with it with others. So we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters and hear the rest of what Jordan has to say about um, being right but not seeing it right in this warrior spirit. All right, stay with us. Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
3: The Business Community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters
0: is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the neighborhood house association of san diego california funds raised go to support the neighborhood house association's mission developing children families and future leaders of our communities through empowerment education and wellness what does a visual workplace mean to you how does it contribute to operational excellence and what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
1: Okay, and we are back on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions, talking about how to be 100% successful in conversations about serious performance issues. And I know before we went to break, I had asked you, um, Jordan, to talk a little bit about this um, um, topic that your book was on with regards to leaders who are experienced as abrasive or bullies. And I think that's a real difficult performance issue that uh, many deal with, either them dealing with their own warrior spirit, as you defined it, um, or they are dealing with someone else. I'm going to just turn it back over for you to kind of maybe give us some final thoughts on that.
2: Well, I, yeah, and, and I think the punchline of it is, is that most of the managers, leaders, executives that I know who are experienced that way do not want to hurt people. And really, it's a side effect of how attached they are to getting great results, to making great achievements, or even to serving people. I've met leaders of uh, nonprofit organizations who were so committed to serving the people that the organization uh, was there to serve, that they were very abrasive with people around them who were not serving exactly in the way that they would like. And so it's really... that person has to find a core reason why they would treat people who are not behaving the way they would like them to behave in a compassionate and respectful way. And sometimes that's because of religion. And sometimes it's just because of what they believe in and who they, you know, what kinds of core values they, they have. But it really is about their finding their own inner voice and their own inner Why?
1: Mhm. Okay. I really like that. And you know, very often I will uh, speak with leaders about just the importance of of um yes, it's important to to embrace the vision that we have and sometimes what happens is when people impact our ability to achieve the vision, then we get a little irritated because our first love so, so to speak becomes the vision. Right. And um And we really want to remind them that that first obligation is to the people, the people who we are serving and serving with very often. And so we want to certainly love the vision, but we also want to love, and as you talked about earlier, have compassion for the people and really just being mindful that the relationship in leadership is critical because it's through that relationship that we're able to inspire and motivate and bring out the best in others. So as a leader, I can't do it all on my own. And so you know, part of that is fostering the relationship so that I have the trust in others to be willing to um, be committed versus, you know, I I always say we can get compliance from commanding and using our authority, but we get commitment when people trust that we certainly have their best interests at heart as well.
2: Absolutely, beautifully said, Cheryl.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jordan, I want to um, just ask you to maybe give our listening audience some final thoughts on today's topic.
2: So, I would I would wrap it up by saying that the way to be one hundred percent successful in these conversations is by telling them, essentially, this is the behavior, this is the expectations, this is the consequences for failure to improve, and by the way, I want to be helpful. And it should be evaluated based on whether you say those things, not on the reaction of the person, because 95% of the people that you say it to end up angry, denying, blaming, crying, and if you're evaluating yourself that they're going to stand up at the end of that meeting and shake your hand and say thank you, most of the time you're going to feel like you failed. But if you're evaluating yourself on did I give a compassionate communication that is very clear, then you can walk out of every one of those meetings as a manager feeling successful. You may feel badly as a human being and sad as a human being, but you but you did a very difficult job. Great.
1: Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate that. Jordan, if someone wanted to contact you, how might they get in, in, um, in touch with you? And, and in fact, I'll ask you, do you have any references or resources that you'd like to um, point them to, maybe a website or book, anything?
2: Sure. Well, my, my company's website, Custom Matrix, and that's custom and matrix, but one M, so it's all together. It's www.custommatrix.com. And um, they can also go to my LinkedIn. Um, About six months from now, I'll be able to say you could buy my book, but I can't write at the moment. And um, my phone number is 858-663-5659. And I really look forward to hearing from folks.
1: Okay, great. And is, is there an email address or you send them to the website to connect with you?
2: Uh, Jay Goldrich, J-G-O-L-D-R-I-C-H, at custommatrix.com. And again, that's custom and matrix, but one M.
1: All right. Well, again, Jordan, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. I really enjoyed hearing from you and learning a little bit more about your background, even in growing up and how this topic... Um, became one that just really, uh, I think, hits home for you and just the work that you've done in this area. And I love that starting with that um, connection that you kind of brought forth from your childhood with regards to integrity, accountability, and fairness and how that really wraps into this topic of really giving someone fair warning um, in addressing performance issues. So thank you so much for sharing all that with us today.
2: Well, thank you, Cheryl. It has been my pleasure.
1: Mhm. And to our listening audience, we want to say thank you so much uh for you for your uh, excuse me for your joining us. I'm getting all tongue tied here and hope that today has um brought you some ideas and some thoughts to just think about as you move forward and deal with the um not so difficult and also difficult um performance challenges that we all face as supervisors and managers. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
0: Thank you again for tuning in.